0: You're listening to Libra on Underground Cartoon Therapy. Libra starts now. All grandeur, all power, and all subordination to authority rests on the Executioner. He is the horror and the bond of human association. Remove this incomprehensible agent from the world, and at that very moment, order gives way to chaos, thrones topple, and society disappears. Gunnar Alder Carlson. Let's just cut through the fucking shit. My name is Adam Ayer. I'm a now famous cartoonist. And a year ago I was living on disability, being victimized by the system and its healthcare providers, who even tried to lace my pills and kill me in 2010. Cheap friends, selfish women, and surrounded by predators and hate on all ends. And now I'm the new system. When I was 16, I knew a few things. I'd never be in the army. I'd always love heavy metal. I knew I'd always draw and love cartoons. I could feel these things a part of me, and in my head, I was always going to be indestructible. I wasn't a fighter. I was a survivor. Whatever I am now, I most certainly did not know I would become when I was 16. I was a kid. Although we don't feel that way, we feel like we rule shit, and on some level we do. As soon as those kinds of thoughts entered my mind. I started smoking, and I ain't never gonna stop either. After I chain smoke a couple down in a row, I grabbed the old M40 I got from my Uncle Tom, who died of lung cancer. Uncle Tom bought me my first comic book, my first action figure, and my first fish and chips with malt vinegar. Some of the best shit ever. It's one of those old A1 models from the early 70s, but it'll get the job done. Sometime in the early 1970s. The USMC armors at MCB Quantico began rebuilding the original M40s into M40A1s. Rest in peace, Uncle Tom. I go to line up the shot from the top of the West Wing building of Our Lady of Angels off of Temple. It's an easy one. It seems like a long line of information has led to my dismay that there was an entire den of pedophile scum under the church, under the auspices, that the greatest crimes are committed in broad daylight. Right now, thirty or so cathedral pastors are finding it to their dismay that fifty stolen children from surrounding areas that have been being held against their wills in rotting cages that I found. I'm suddenly missing. And 30 of them or so are going to be coming out of that church very nonchalantly. Like nothing's wrong, and I'm going to take a single shot. Not at them, but at a gas can that I've got rigged to a piece of something special. This is my first kill, and that makes it special to me. Once I make the kill, I cross over into a new realm, and I can never go back. I think back to where I came from, and where I am now, and the zodiac is aligned, and I'm delivered into the cusp of the scales, as I become a judge in my own right, but I'm so in my own head, getting lost again, as it is easy for me to do so, that I realize I'm not alone up here, which I don't really know how that could happen. I turn the rifle on what is ironically a kid no more than sixteen. What are you doing up here? I ask calmly while I scope his pineapple gland with a stock in his head. I'm high on dope, what the fuck are you doing up here? He says it knowing he's fucked, but I do him a favor and I reline my hit. I'm here to kill pedophiles, not junkies. Lucky me. Keep it down, you know I'm trying to ride this high, man. (laughs) Los Angeles. There's no real scummy place on earth like it. I never thought I'd get out of the country, but I did. And I've seen a lot of scummy places. But there is nothing scummier than Los Angeles. And I've seen it firsthand, so much potential, so much laziness and hatred. I blend in without any notice. Here they come. This memorial action is dedicated to my first grade teacher, Miss Arlene Ginther, a horrible person with no tact. I was already being fucked with by teachers and students alike. One day Ginther wanted to make a photo slide movie about animals that find dynamite and play with it and end up blowing themselves to hell. (laughs) I'm not sure what prompted her to want to make the movie, but it was on. All the popular kids got to be one of the animals and one by one like a bad ball game player pick, the kids are degradedly chosen until there are the reject kids and one becomes a tree or a rock. There were no parts left and I was the asshole kid left that had no part. I was decided to be the explosion, the big bang as it were. An explosion on a monopoeia was built and a hole where my head was shown in the bang. I remember some feeling of ancient apocrypha, a feeling of relief. This one goes out to all the parents, all the good ones. The birth of the Libra. One at a time, they all walk out of the church and in the lead is a detective. It's Detective Pallas of the DCFS. And of course he's a small cog in a much bigger ring of child predators that are stalking the city. He triggers a high pitch alarm that my buddy in the UCLA psychoacoustic studies lab concocted after I had a dream about it. I set it out in the parking lot. The squeal is so loud that all the men stop. As soon as they do, I breathe and I take the shot. It explodes the homemade napalm that I made of generic kitty litter and strange pulpy microwaved orange juice and the whole fucking parking lot explodes along with half the north entrance which is an added bonus. Body parts of predators that will prey on the innocent no longer spray in glorious display and coat the clergy cars in with a lot of a reminder that you will not hurt kids. You will not hurt them and get away with it no more. The kid who is high on age behind me starts looking at me with a certain look but doesn't say anything smart ass, and decides it's best not to say anything at all. take care kid and you may want to split as you can hear there's about 20 lapd squads rolling this way at about 140 miles an hour you got about three minutes the fate of a large squeal of squads embalms the air and infused with the gas fire that just fried an nth of the catholic kitty killers whose body parts are crackling in the flames in a blur i am gone And the kid just sits there, and a smile slowly cracks across his face. Rad. I end up at the Rainbow Room a couple hours later. These guys have the best pizza in the world. Like nothing happened, I'm celebrating because of a few reasons. I just got my cartoon picked up. Yeah, I've been drawing cartoons since I can remember. It was November of 76. I was in kindergarten. We had to draw these Thanksgiving heads, and I drew an Indian head, which I felt guilty drawing for reasons I was yet to be exposed to. This one kid named Sidney said that my head sucked. I guess it started there. As soon as you tell me something that I did sucks, something I put my heart and soul into, I fight harder to make it better. I hang out here a lot, and I was brought to the Rainbow Room through a few people I had met here in L.A. I've been bouncing between New York City and here for a while now. I guess I got in my mind that I wanted to do something with my art. All my life, I've had people telling me how sweet my art is. I've either been treated like total dog shit, not here at all, or like a total star when the drawing is up. I've never known anything outside those three feelings as far as the art life and reality mingle. I have drawn the most offensive shit in the world, but when I've done it, it's not been that hey look how fucked up I am way, but rather a way that shoves the fucked up shit people condone in the world back in their fucking face way. And I've made quite a life for myself, and some notoriety. Until now my characters have been sick and repulsive, and not for kids. That was until back in 00. At that point, I was conned into doing children's books. Doesn't really matter how it happened, more than the fact remains, not only have I been doing children's books since then, but for a year now, I've been sitting as an asset with the William Morris Agency, running now the most widely watched and loved TV show in the world. Last year, I was ready to kill myself and felt like I was never going anywhere. Now I have a net worth. <laughs> I think suicidality was more realistic, but you can't fight evil by not doing anything. For years I've been trying to get my stuff off of the ground, so many projects, so little time. But with nothing really biting, and my mental state, oh yeah, I am pretty rotten ill. I think it is funny to have been talked down to for so many years by so many people, seen as a psychotic. There are things to having the ability to know every actor and all these new ass people in my life since I've become a star. And you know what? Besides being everywhere to do everything and appear on every fucking talk show, plus go on tour with Iron Maiden finally, and all this dream ass shit. I found it full of shit really fast. I'm just playing it because I know how to pretend to be these guys. I want to get to the real source of the sore. The shit that makes me cringe. I go into the studio tomorrow. Oh, I just made my first kill, by the way. The news is blaring with this news about the despicable crime of 32 men of the cloth being fried to death by my patent kitty juice. Authorities are swarming county lines looking for someone they have absolutely no leads on. You will learn a lot in a year, and you can learn to kill properly in a year as well. I used to care what people thought about me until the stark reality hit me that I'm not really surrounded by people who think like that, right? There are principalities of evil so inherently strong on the planet that are not taken care of and no justice is served. And despite my brain's own chemical imbalances, I'm still clear-headed enough to go after these guys in a secular way. In reality, you take one or two of these guys out, you'll end up inside the house, Inside, chomos, or child molesters and rapists, are at the bottom of the food chain, so at least I'd be cleaning up in there. But then more predators will be on the outside, and they multiply in fives. So being inside is useless, except for cleanup purposes. I use my head, as broken as it is. Okay, let's be fair. What am I doing? That's a good start for us to come to. Now I hunt pedophiles with a now officially structured LLC, which I fund with my salary as the hottest Hollywood cartoon real estate since The Simpsons. It's true, I'm a prodigy. I draw these cartoons my whole life and got infamy for it all. But this, this shit is way out of the ballpark. But I do have secret friends in high places that I do get a lifeline from every now and then. These friends are invisibles and you'll never find them. You've been listening to Libra on Underground Cartoon Therapy. You're listening to Libra, Episode 2 on Underground Cartoon Therapy. I ended up getting a gig through Chase Bank with a woman who has a mother who was my Haitian shaman. Her name is Miss Starr. She doesn't talk to me anymore, but when she found me, she found me in the dregs of Berkeley drawing hot in the gallery scene. It was unfulfilling. I found it to be boorish and full of wannabe applicators of the craft. She caught me in the darkness of my being and helped me create Super J, the reason I'm going to be a billionaire this year. And now a winner of a Harvey Kurtzman award and blah 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 and a bunch of shit I don't fucking care about. I ain't never going to either. I think it was then that I met Miss Starr, she was from Marin County and found me drawing on a naked skate deck with a ballpoint pen that I had ground scored. I think it had been right about then that a couple doctors had tried to lace my Cerec oil through my local healthcare provider. But that's not here or there because no one was there and the point is moot. But the darkness of my mood has a great connection to that. I found it degrading. It was fucking embarrassing and like a lot of instances like this that have happened in my life. But that's how I became me. Now that I've made my first kill, I am ready to make the next one too. It's hard to make the ball roll. And for all these evil men and what they did to these kids and all the They and the children were freed, I still cast my prayers of faith that the Creator have mercy. Although, I never know what the old man is thinking, nor is it my business how he conducts his individual levels of mercy, I just work for him. And I generally keep the rule of thumb, keep your fucking mouth shut, and keep your fucking eyes single. The night comes and my insanity flares with the heat. Bobby De Niro, you know, Travis Crit, Mr. Taxi Driving and Bull, is already a huge fan of Super J, and considers it to be culturally displayed properly to the advantage of black people, and he introduced me to these guys from Paramount, right on time. The deal is met with an earnest feel that Hollywood seems to all have but lost, it would come off that way, but there are still these times when the old girl comes through and the world is one with the magic, with a K and not magic with a C, comes to an unveiling, unveiling that you are someone, you can make it, you're not alone, I was alone, now I know everyone, and to be honest, no one really knows you afterward, and to cut through the bullshit, we all die alone. I'm sitting in this limo with Bobby De Niro, Martin Scorsese, and some other schlubby Jewish lawyer types hotboxing the back seat with cheap ass togies, and everyone's laughing at God knows what. Bobby bends over and says, hey, the boss man likes you, and points at Martin. Martin winks at me. I just saw these guys on an older rerun on the Don Rickles roast when he turned 91. That was when Randy Quaid shit was happening too. I was following that stuff closely. This is all part of my secret life I lead outside these guys. No one can ever know about it. I know these guys are connected to way bigger crimes. Real life shit. Pharma backings mainly. How do I know this shit? I study a lot. And now that I have money, I can find out anything. It is kind of a weird fantasy. I mean, who gets to do this shit for real? I was always expecting to be poor, and now every mogul in Hollywood wants me. But these are deaf, not the cats I want to be around. But tonight I need them. This is a special night. Martin asked me, so Adam, what made you create Super J? I look at him and I say, it was inspired by the times. And they are a changing, chuckles Bobby. I look over at the lawyers. I know exactly who they are. Industrialists, scum-sucking capitalists and holding more money than one can dream. These are two of the big fish I've been inching my way towards since I've read their half-studied-upon case of having raped a dozen children, one nine-year-old. The case was thrown out like every case has been handled. The LAPD gets their payoffs and the shit gets tossed. More kids come into LA than you could ever imagine, and the way these kids are treated is indescribable. For the last half hour, Shell has visited Deep Web and been on at least 23 different child porn sites. It's nice to have enough money to Bruce Wayne these dicks and track them with a few cool toys. The fact remains that Bobby and Martin may or may not know about said activities, but just goes to show that they are indeed consorting with said alleged suspects. I know damn well that they aren't alleged shit. They are in fact child raping scum fucks, and they are mine. I talk to Martin and fluff him around with some cutesy Super J factoids and why it has become the biggest cartoon in the world. A few minutes later, he says he loves it, and he and Bobby tell me that they have to run to yet another engagement, but that they would love to, quote-unquote, hang out again. I shake their hands and think about a time before I became a vigilante, and how cool I thought these guys were before the politics got involved. When film was cool, and music, music was key. Martin tells me that the driver will see me home. The two lawyers are still in the car with me and are eyeballing me. So Adam, says Shell, what do you do for fun? I know what he's talking about and I need to allure him. I don't know, what do you got? Shell whispers something into his buddy's ear while I stare at them with the interest they're looking for. So would you like to go to a pizza party with us? What kind of pizza? I say with a poker face, covering my disgust for what's to come next. Both pepperoni and cheese, says the other lawyer. A high-powered scumfuck I have now nicknamed the Weasel. I'm a comic book dork. Every villain needs a name. Let's go party, says Shell, and I just smile. A couple hours ago, at another bland awards banquet being held in my honor, I planted a bug on Shell. I know exactly where he's going now, and I'm going to find out exactly where this place is. We pull up to a Silver Lake mansion, up one of those winded uphill struggles that only a pro limo driver could pull off. On top of a separate drift of land, a gigantic three-story house spreads over two and a half acres of moonlit land. Now I got a fix. I reach into my coat pocket and fumble my phone. I got it set on calling me here in about six and a half minutes. We go into the pad and right away six men, six big men with guns are strapped and stanced. They've had combat training too. I get padded down and let in with Shell and his little friend. A couple of curtain rooms later and the cries of children become apparent. My phone rings. I play it off as Shell looks at me all concerned. Uh huh, I see, yes. Right away, yes. Shell looks at me with a look of disappointment. What's wrong? I'll have to take a rain check, but I'd like to come back again. I'm really sorry guys, but checks don't write themselves. Indeed, shell show goes out. I catch a cab after some on-looking working men eyeball my hasty departure. Well, it looks like i found the beehive, or one of them. I estimate that there are over two dozen kids in that pad, maybe more. I almost have the cabbie pull over. I have to throw up. My nerves are so fucking shot from being around this kind of shit, but I gotta remember, I'm still in my softer stages. I have tea tree oil toothpicks. Inside a matter of minutes I'm back to normal. The cabbie pulls off to the side on Broadway by Union Station and I know it's not good. He turns around and I hear him cock back the hammer on a 380. He says, I have a message from Shell and I blow a hole through the back of where he is sitting and he turns into a fucking hole too. It's four in the morning, no pigs around, I jump up front and my body toll goes up one. I drive the car to a lot outside the Greyhound on 7th and I set it on fire. By the time the fire department rolls in, this car will be Kentucky Fried, plus I have his teeth and I wave the jar like I'm talking to everyone in cinema land with the jingle of freshly bloodied pulled taxi driver chompers. Now I have a lead. I take the cabbie's phone and I text Shell saying, Job done, and then I trash that too. I turn on my laptop and pull up Shell Weiner, grad from UCLA, and working with deal makers, get Brittenham. Shell, the word is Hebrew. It indicates possession and or ownership. It never shows up in the Torah. It has strong metaphoric strength in the position I'm in right now and how he doesn't belong. People that rape kids and exploit them? These good dicks fucking write their own names on the shit list. My nerves are so tangled I decide to load a bowl of ABK, a severely strong sativa strain that's been killing people lately. I happen to like it. I remember when it was popular opinion that we couldn't kill you, but here we are. I get baked as fuck on it. I do have a cool pad. I got some cool shit. I reopened my toy store, which is located on Sunset. I live in the bottom of my shop like it's some real comic booky shit. I figure if this line of work is your career, why not combine the two and mix the chocolate and peanut butter the fuck up. I love toys, and I have for a long fucking time. Flashback shot number one. In 1992, two dudes are hanging outside a coffee shop in Boulder, Colorado. Adam is the crusty road punk. Ned is the punk that comes from the suburbs. It's good to see you again, man. You two fucker. <laughs> nice leather pants you got there. They're not leather. It's a leather called Helfer. Helfer leather? Yeah, they're just dirty. <laughs> That's disgusting, man. Damn. Well... Do you want to go into the comic book shop with me? No way. I hate comics. What? You draw comics. Yeah, that shit's underground. So? I I don't care anymore. Come on, man. I'll buy you a comic book. No time for toys right now. I have some kids to save. I created a tactic to initiate tonight, one I haven't used since this is my first time I'm using it. Duh. I just finished my new suit. It's made of an industrial-strength weave of hemp that serves better than Kevlar. I have it registered under DuPont as a microwave-militarized industrial weapons-grade protection. Easiest billion I'll ever make, and it came right out of a comic book, more or less. I just call it Hemplar, and it does the job. Minimal bruising. Kinda tickles when you're getting sprayed with autos and junk like that. My mask is awesome too. I got this from a dream as well. It's the Libra symbol. I thought it was clever and when you see it, you know the scales are being brought in for your ass. All of what I am made up, it comes from the raw root of honesty that I read in a comic book, or that I saw in a comic book related TV movie piece. Oh, absolutely, and make no mistake, Jack Kirby is my favorite comic book dude in the known galaxy. Now let's go kill some pet bags. Outside the Silver Lake mansion I had left Shell and the Weasel earlier, You can taste the inland sea salt that comes over 20 miles to reach my nose and soothe my palate. I am ready. There's two big motherfuckers outside the house that weren't there earlier. I'm not sure, but I take out my Glock with a new suppressor that I had attached to it. Snip one, snip two, and both bodies fall to the ground. I slip through the inside and there are two dogs. I pull out my trink gun and lay down two hefty Dobermans to sleep. One guy sees me and I take the shot with my Tranky. Mistake. Now if I run across more dogs, I'm going to be that one short. Yeehaw! I take the shot with a butcher knife that I find on the counter adjacent to me. I throw it underhanded and it goes right through the guy's skull. Blood spurts and I take my Glock and shoot him in the neck anyway. And his tongue falls out of his throat. I go for my FN Herstal FNX9 and blow this motherfucking asshole's knee to shreds. He throws up on himself because he has Chrondo don't you you son of a bitch. I shoot three more assholes with a Glock Gen 4 and waste a fucker with the bun end of my old Glock which I end up smashing his nose inward and his teeth fly all over the place. Blood has covered the walls and I've been walking a straight path to where these kids are. An alarm goes off huge across the house. It took a few minutes, and I was kinda hoping for more, but I'll take what I can get. One guy shoots me in the back of the fucking head, and it fucking hurts. It's not fucking wet, so that means this hemplar shit is fucking working as I realize it, closing the door. I'm going to keep trucking through, and I know that Weasel and Shell the Possessor are still here. There's no way out. I hear a landmine go off on the side of the house. Whoops, won't do that again. I laid out some no-you-can't-leaves along the driveway in case anyone got any ideas. I fall into deep regret-styled feels as I contemplate and hope to fuck it wasn't a kid trying to escape and how I should think about that for next time where my career could really end really fast off of some dumbass shit like accidentally killing a kid that I'm trying to save. I'm 99% sure that it was a pussy-ass bodyguard or hired fucking goon that didn't make it. Here's the main vault. I place a thermal IR scanner I got at Radio Shack for a grand up on a wall and I can see clearly that Shell and his weasel and about 20 kids who are in really bad shape are behind this wall of disgusting carnal lore. I decided to walk out the back. I can hear Shell yell, Get the fuck back and we'll kill every fucking kid in here! I believe him and I ain't taking no chances. I decided it was a good idea to backtrack and come through a heat shaft placed directly above them. It was going to take a minute to do it. I end up squirming through a shithole shaft backwards above their heads and I make no sounds doing it. I can see that they're getting more nervous by the second and that it wasn't a good idea to get heard and to hurry the fuck up at the same time because when dicks like dicks get nervous, innocent victims have a tendency to take the back blow. I come out looking like a slow motion Play-Doh factory squeezing in a sweet steak style, and I silently and unbeknownst have to take the shot backwards. UGH! I take two shots to kill Shell and the Weasel, but firing the gun backwards here on my first mission working for my new boss was weird, and I had to place the bet that a kid wouldn't get hurt. I end up saving every kid but one. It really hurts me too, because I couldn't save this little guy. Shell and the weasel have raped this kid so bad, he bleeds internally, and I am unable to stop him from his loss. He dies on the way to Kaiser, where the Children's Hospital is in Los Angeles, less than 10 minutes away, and where I leave the kids in a van that I'm driving right now, and slip back into my old Nova, and slip out of this heplar, while I wait for the right personnel to show up and assist these children to safety from across the parking lot. I do fall into tears, but not until I get home. I leave a box with a gift tag to whatever detective gets the case. It's the bug I planted on Shell. There's enough info on there to lock up Shell's boys for a long time, but it won't be from Shell's own mouth. Not in this lifetime, not ever. It's seven in the morning. I have a Cartoon Network meeting with this dick who busts everyone's balls no matter who they are. It's just one of those hot spots, not a good hot spot. That one comes across in the business out here. Listen to them yak. Talk to your agent. Talk to your multiple lawyers who are feeding off a vein of money blood. Like bad skeeters is what my grandma sugar used to call them. I get on my LAPD mobile communications rig that can pick up encrypted frequencies and I find out who the lucky detective is, Mike McCullough. See you real soon, buddy. I hope you're in that lucky 8% bracket that is a good cop. But if ponies could shit Skittles, we'd all be tasting the rainbow. You've been listening to Lisa on Underground Cartoon Therapy.